Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The book of Luke chapter 11, and uh, the book of Luke chapter 11 and verse number 2. The Bible says, and he said unto them, speaking of Jesus to his disciples, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. Verse number four is where we will find our topic this evening, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And... Um, that's where we'll end tonight because that's our subject. I want to talk on the subject of forgiveness and I can tell you that it is an enormous subject. It is a far-reaching subject and uh, it's easy to, to amen and uh, all kind of things about the subject of forgiveness if you've never been wronged. And... Uh, we can get all warm and fuzzy and shout and run the aisles and walk on the back of the pews and swing on imaginary chandeliers. But when you have had to push things out of your spirit through prayer, you understand the magnitude of forgiveness. And, and if you have ever in your lifetime truly successfully forgiven, you also understand the liberty that comes in your own life when you've let go, amen. And so every wrong, every wrong in this life will not be corrected. And everyone that's ever done anything wrong to you cannot may, and may not, may not even be able to say, I'm sorry. They may, they may never, may not even have that privilege. They may not even still be alive today. So what we have to do is reconcile in our heart and mind, what am I going to do? And so we have to choose to let go. And so I want to, tonight, I'm just asking the Lord to help me not just speak to adults, but I want to speak to our young people. I want to speak in a way that maybe everybody can take something home uh, this evening. Amen. Now let's just pray and ask the Lord to touch us all. I ask you today, God, to touch your word to our heart. Your word is anointed. It's alive. It is vibrant. This is a, such an important subject, and so I'm asking you tonight to help me to do justice to a subject that applies to all of our life. If not now, at some point, and many times over, it will apply. So I'm asking you today, God, for health and healing in our spirit, in our mind, and in our heart. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. God bless you. I have felt like the... Uh, Oh, adage of the mosquito circling the elephant. He's, he knew what to do. He just didn't know where to start. And so that's kind of how you feel when you're approaching a big subject like the subject of forgiveness. In his book entitled What's So Amazing About Grace, the author Philip Yancey tells the story of a Spanish father who decided to reconcile with his son that years before had ran away to Madrid so the father, in a moment of remorse, takes out an ad in a local paper in Madrid. The ad just simply read, Paco, which was his son's name, Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana, noon Tuesday. All is forgiven, Papa. When the father arrived at the square in hopes of meeting his son, to his dismay, he found dozens of young men named Paco, waiting to be reunited with their father. So the question that begs an answer is, are we dealing with a name that is so familiar and easily recognizable? Or is, in fact, a father's forgiveness the salve, the salve that every soul truly needs? 
There's so many people that need forgiveness. So many people that need forgiveness. I wonder what would happen if we ran such an ad and said, if you need forgiveness, just be here Sunday. And if we had the power to forgive sins, so to speak, or the power to forgive in a blanketed measure, who would be here? I believe that mankind just really needs forgiveness. And if you've ever been forgiven of anything, then we should recognize the magnitude of the release of someone lifting that debt or that load. It's a, it's a, a big subject I'm going to talk about tonight a couple of things. The first thing I want to talk about is God's forgiveness. In the book of Matthew, which we also find the Lord's Prayer, Matthew records the Lord's Prayer, or at least this portion of the Lord's Prayer, as this. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So in, in Matthew's version of this, he uses the word debts, and Luke uses the word sins. However, Matthew 6 and 15, Jesus uses the word trespass or trespasses. And these are all very similar words and they're all interwoven. And so just like we have a need for daily food, we certainly have a need for daily forgiveness. And I trust that you start every day asking the Lord to forgive you. Amen, I need God's forgiveness. That's first things first. I need you to forgive me. I need you to help me. And so the word trespass in our, in our terminology today, when we think about the word trespass, we think of no trespassing signs or something that just simply implies that you're not supposed to be here and you shouldn't go beyond this point or this border. Trespassing is we're going somewhere where we should not be going. And so... When we are tempted to sin, there should be a sign in our spirit, some kind of signal that just says, I'm not supposed to be here. You know, I, I, I appreciate the, the, the response that I feel back from this congregation about that because I think we've all been there. It's not that there was a clap of thunder or not that the Lord audibly spoke something, but there was just something that kind of just twisted in our spirit that just said, well, the, something's not right right here. I don't need to be here. We perhaps have um, all been guilty of a conversation just sort of going too far. And uh, maybe it kind of starts bordering on the edges of gossip and you just kind of feel in the spirit that I shouldn't, I don't need to contribute anything else to this. I just need to stop right here. And there's a no trespassing sign that we just kind of need to stop in that regard. And so as Christians, I believe that we should desire to live lawfully in every way, lawfully as children of God, whether it's the law of God or the law of man, we should desire to live lawfully. And so when we think about the word trespass, in the Greek, the word trespass means to slip or fall. And so there are times that we indeed do slip and fall. We do slip by violating the word of God. We step out of line. And, um, and then the word debt sometimes refers, of course, to monetary debt, but more often it means moral debt. And so we owe God obedience. We owe him. And, and we, can't, we can't ever forget the fact that when we sin, we offend the nature of God. We offend God. And so we owe the Lord our obedience. I want to be obedient to his word. I want to be obedient to what I know already, have tucked away in my heart. And I also want to be obedient to what the spirit of God and the word of God reveals to me. And so to, who, to he that knoweth to do good and does it not, to him it becomes sin. It's at that moment of knowledge, the moment of education that we become now accountable for the words. On the cross, Jesus paid a debt that he didn't owe, and it was because, as the song said, we owed a debt we couldn't pay. And so we stand at, the, and, at a very, very important intersection. We were all sinners in need of forgiveness. The Bible says in Romans, Paul said to the church in Rome, that there is none righteous, no, not one. None, none righteous. The cross represents the cost of all of our forgiveness. And so the most essential and difficult thing that God ever did was provide forgiveness for our sins. It was that paid in full. 
I, I, I just enjoy paying things off. Man, there's just nothing like the last payment on anything. Amen? <laughs> Debt's great or small. It's just like there's just no better feeling than seeing something. You know, everything's kind of digital today, but years ago you used to get whatever the, the contract was. When it was all returned, it was had paid in full, stamped across the top of it, whether it was a car title or whatever it may have been. That was always a great feeling to think that you had finally paid off those those four easy payments of $39.95. Whatever it is, the paid in full, what a what a release comes to our to our heart when something has just been satisfied. In September of 1974, which I understand predates a lot of us, or a lot that are here tonight, but um, Gerald Ford granted Richard Nixon a free and absolute pardon for the criminal conduct that had taken place during his presidency and what the world came to know as Watergate. Former President Nixon responded to that full pardon with a pretty lengthy response, but I just want to read just a portion of it. Richard Nixon said, no words can describe the depth of my regret and pain at the anguish my mistakes over Watergate have caused the nation and the presidency. A nation I so deeply love and an institution that I so highly respect. And so wherever you stand politically, the point is this, that a man had made a horrible mistake and it played out before the world, on a world stage. And we get kind of just embarrassed when things just kind of get out in our family that we've done a little bit of wrong. I'm not talking about robbing banks or anything, but so here's a man that on a world stage has made an error. And so I just tried today to think about what it must have been like to feel the release from the now standing or sitting president of the United States to pardon that, to forgive that. Now here is Gerald Ford's response. He said, I feel that Richard Nixon and his loved ones have suffered enough. My conscience tells me that only I as president have the constitutional power to firmly shut and seal this book. Think about it. Here's a man that so desperately needed somebody to say, let's just move on. Now, you understand, if you know anything about American history, we've done anything but move on because everything has the Watergate tag to it. It has, it has become a, a stigma in our political world. But here is a man so desperately needing forgiveness and here is a man who can and has the power to do so and so I just sat still today for just a moment of time and I just tried to pretend that I could slip on the shoes of each of these men for just a moment to feel that the most powerful man in the greatest nation in the world said, you are pardoned. And a man who so desperately needed that to what that must have felt like to, to have those words spoken over you but also to think about the power of the man that served as the president of our nation at that moment to say that as a president, I only as president have the constitutional power to firmly shut and seal this book. I'm going to do what I can to shut this case. It's over and let's just move on. Now, can you imagine either of those roles tonight? If you were that person that so desperately needed forgiveness, how wonderful it would feel for someone to say, let's move on. And can you imagine how gratifying it must have been to have the power to say, we're going to seal this book. We've all heard it, to err is human, to forgive is divine. And, and so much truth to that. And, and uh, we have to understand the power of what it was like to be forgiven, the weight of that, the guilt of that. And so way we never forget the feeling of having our sins pardoned. 
We might like to believe that God is obligated to just forgive everybody, but according to scripture, and I hope not to cross too many theological sores, but according to scripture, God is going to, to forgive those that confess their sin and ask forgiveness. Amen. The Bible says if we confess our sins, it is predicated upon us. He is, he is faithful to just forgive our sins, but it all hinges on if we will confess our sins. The problem is, is that not too many people think of themselves as sinners. And so they don't worry about the things they've done because it's not wrong. There are no moral absolutes. There are no landmarks. There are no hardcore lines. And so uh, if people don't, don't consider themselves to be sinners, then there will be no need in their heart or mind to, to pray or repent of things of that nature. You know, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling sometimes when you see this dynamic shift that some people are so overwhelmed by unresolved guilt, while others with a seeming seared conscience stand and experience no guilt whatsoever, as though nothing is wrong. Fallen human nature often minimizes the need for forgiveness. David said in the book of Psalms, chapter 36 and verse number one, David said, the transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. They don't worry really about their sins because they don't accept the fact that sin offends the holiness of God. I know we've been teaching on the Lord's Prayer and I just hope that you've been sort of using this as a pattern of prayer. In your daily prayer, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that, that holy name. I wanna do everything within my power to keep the name of the Lord holy Amen. I want to do everything that I can to keep the, more, the name of the Lord holy. But David said there is no fear of God before his eyes. They don't worry about their sins and they don't accept the fact that sin offends the holiness of God. Seemingly in our society, at least the gravity of sin is diminished by the denial of there being moral absolutes. I, I know it's an old, old cliche or saying that uh, that, that took place decades ago, but it's the, the, the essence of this is still alive today. That some people live by the, the moral or the lack of moral compass, I suppose, to say if it feels good, do it. Some of you are here old enough to remember whenever that was a very popular saying. And so the, but the essence of that is still very much alive. If it feels good, do it. Just whatever, whatever you want to do to gratify yourself, there is no right, there is no wrong. And so when the church begins to stand and say, wait a minute, there is a right and there is a wrong. In a moment of time, you put yourself in a completely different company. When we stand upon the moral compass and the spiritual compass of the word of God to say that there are some absolutes, there are some things that we must do and there are some things that we cannot do. So when you start drawing lines in the sand, when you start building a fence, then there is a divide. And I've often said in preaching and teaching that wherever you draw the line, that becomes the battleground, whatever that may be. And so there are people, there are people today that feel like, well, if you just move the line, if you just let up on this or let up on that, and that's only true very, very temporary. Because wherever you move the line to, there will one day be a battle about the line again. Amen. And so uh, we, we see that play out, playing out all over um, our world and certainly we can see that playing out in the church. And so if, if there are no moral or no absolute right, if there is no absolute wrong, then anything is permissible and then that means there is no need to seek forgiveness. If there's nothing that's wrong, there's no need to pray. It's certainly not a secret, but we are certainly living in a culture today in America where we are, as the scripture says, we are calling evil good and good evil. Who would have ever thought you'd be so unpopular for just wanting to stand for what's right? Just what's right. Amen. And so we have to really understand that we are living in that. That is the counterculture that we are facing today. There is rather a, a rather popular way sometimes that people have for admitting guilt. Have you ever heard someone say, 
Well, if you feel like I did something wrong, please forgive me. If you think I did something wrong. And so that's kind of a left-handed apology, isn't it? With great deference to all of our left-handers here tonight. But that's kind of a backdoor apology. If you think I've offended you, Brother Rayleigh, then please forgive me. And I'm pushing all of the, see, I'm pushing all of the junk off in his yard. In his lap, I'm making him then that that person. And so instead of confessing sin, people claim, you know, it just kind of made a mistake. In the court of law today, people plead no contest. A no contest plea is a a plea used in criminal proceedings and it's an, an alternative to guilt or innocence or guilty, not guilty. In truth, the defendant neither disputes nor admits to doing the crime. I'm just no contest. I'm just somewhere in the murky, muddy middle. And so when it comes to God, we should never at an altar of prayer plead no contest. Amen. We need to come before the Lord boldly. No matter how much shame is with that, we need to come before the Lord boldly and say, I've got something I've got to fix. I've got something I've got to fix. And so we shouldn't offer any excuses. We should just say, Lord, I need mercy. I just need the hand of your mercy upon me in my life. We need God's mercy because there are eternal consequences at stake. And so we can't wait to make wrongs right. And we can't hope things will just somehow work themselves out. But the Bible says if... If, uh, if you think somebody has an ought against you, am I in the book now? That we should take a proactive measure and that we should go make that right. And so how much more it should be with God that we make sure things are right, not just hope and assume that they are. The prophet uh, Habakkuk says of God, he said, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look on iniquity. Man, I just love that eloquent language. He said, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil and they are too pure to look on iniquity. And so we ought to think about those kind of things when we are erring or sinning because it is, it is God's eyes that are just too pure to even have to behold that, to have to look that way. And so forgiveness is that removal of guilt. Isaiah, in Isaiah, God declares, I am he that blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sin no more. So that's a look, just a little snapshot of God's forgiveness. Now let's consider another aspect of that, and that is our own forgiveness. In Luke 4, our text tonight, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Matthew's gospel says, and forgive us, of, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So we have an obligation to extend forgiveness to others. And we must understand that the power, I think we have to understand the power of this particular portion of the Lord's Prayer. We have our hand on the handle, as I've said so many times through the years. I have my hand on the handle of the valve of my own forgiveness when I pray this prayer. It's a risky prayer. It really is a a risky prayer to pray because we are saying, I want you to forgive me as I forgive others. Forgive me in the fashion that I am forgiving. And so people who are unforgiving cannot understand or even accept the forgiveness that God offers. And so anybody that's not willing to forgive another has not really experienced God's forgiveness. If we've ever been forgiven, then who are we that we should not forgive others? When we refuse to forgive others, we're, we're, in essence, we're asking God, well, don't forgive us. I'm gonna hold on to this. And so as long as I hold on to this, then I'm asking you, Lord, you just hold back and withhold your forgiveness from me as well. There's so many people that refuse to forgive and would rather harbor resentment and hold grudges and, and, and victims can become bitter and only wish to get even 
instead of just laying it at the foot of the cross and saying, Lord, I need you to set me free and I'm gonna set me free by taking my hands off of this, by opening my hands. And so when I, when I open my hands to release them, I'm really releasing me. And the, and the opposite of that is certainly factual. As long as you hold on to them, you're just holding your own self hostage. I'm holding my own self hostage. And so a, a crime victim once was quoted as saying, and, and you just think about this, it was a little newspaper clipping. He said, if you could lick my heart, it would poison you. Because I've been done wrong and I am not going to forgive. Or others just try to find that compromise and say, well, I forgive, but I'm not gonna forget. Well, I think we have to really understand that amnesia is not the point. None of us are going to forget. We don't have the, the capacity to forget as we think about forgetting. But it is putting that behind us. I'm not gonna sit at the table of this every day and this is not where I'm gonna eat my breakfast, my lunch, and my dinner. This is not where I'm just gonna move beyond this. And so Jesus said in the, in the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. And I will tell you that if you don't need mercy now, it would be a good time to start putting it in the bank because you're going to need it one of these days. I'm going to, I've needed it many times in my life and I'm gonna need it many more times. And so I wanna put everything that I possibly can as far as mercy is concerned ahead of me. Another translation of Matthew 5 and 7 says, happy are those who are merciful to others for God will be merciful to them. Lord, help us to deal with mercy. I wanna reach, with, deal with people with compassion. I wanna deal with people in mercy because I need mercy every day. We're, we're able to forgive, not, not because we're such nice people and not because we have a certain genetic makeup or there's some sort of code in our DNA. We don't, we're not able to give because of that or not because we feel like forgiving. We're able to forgive because we've been forgiven. Forgiveness breaks the power that passed. When people say I can't forgive, what they really mean is I won't forgive. Because you can. The author tells about a man who, who borrowed some money and, and, and the man that, he, that borrowed the money took longer than he had, uh, had promised to pay it back. It's, he was supposed to pay it right back, but he, he took two years to pay it back and the, the angry lender said to him, he said, keep your money. It's not worth me changing my opinion of you. I, I would rather have my opinion of you now than to have the money back. My. Now, please don't think that those people here that I'm talking about live in some foreign zip code because that can be us. That could be us tomorrow. The situation's right. The planet's getting just the right lines. <laughs> and we can just think, you know what? You just, you just keep the injustice and I will keep my ill opinion of you. Forgiveness is not a feeling. <clears throat> forgiveness is a choice. And so we shouldn't think that forgiveness is gonna come when the atmosphere gets just right and everything just gets really warm and fuzzy in my spirit but forgiveness is a clear choice. It's an intentional, conscious decision. I've got to set this down. I've got to lay it down. And so the first person who gains from forgiveness is the person who does the forgiving. Because many times, not in every case, but in many cases, the person that has offended you so much, the person that has hurt you so bad, their life's just going right on. To some degree, we may even feel that they're oblivious to all the things that we're dealing with in, their, in our life and they're just going right on. And so the, per, the very first person who gains freedom in this forgiveness act is the person that's doing the forgiving. I'm just gonna let it go and I'm gonna release that. And so there's a benefit to, to offering forgiveness because when we hold a grudge, we are often enslaved by our own animosity and, and our own ill feelings toward other people. On the other hand, forgiveness frees us and it leads us to a place of emotional healing. And uh, even if there's no reconciliation, it really leads us to a place of emotional healing. And I know that I'm, I'm speaking to people tonight who have experienced what I'm talking about. So you're not hearing words that are just kind of glancing blows off 
your conscience, but, but sometimes there is no reconciliation. We would love for that to always end like it does in the storybooks, which kind of the, the hero just rides off into the sunset. It doesn't always end with a reconciliation. Sometimes there's no possible way for that to happen because people have died or, or whatever the situation may be. And so what are we gonna do if a person is not able to come look us in the eyes and, and try to make things right? We gotta let it go for ourselves and let the spirit of God help us. And so by forgiving, we let go of our resentment. We let go of the hatred that we may have in our heart, things that are festering in our spirit that should not be there and they cannot be there because we can't truly worship the Lord with all of those things in our heart. We really can't. So the first thing we do in forgiving is to surrender our right to get even with the person who has wronged us. I, I'm surrendering my right to get even. And I know that sometimes we think that smells a whole lot like weakness. So we like to go in there with our six shooters strapped down <laughs> and, and just kind of settle it as they did in the old wild west in the dusty street. But you see, God doesn't work that way. And many times we just have to allow the spirit of God to work those things out of our heart. And so here's what forgiveness does. Among many things, forgiveness stops the cycle of it going on and on and on and on. And do you know that, that things can become generational in families? It really can. You've got children that have taken up the calls of their parents that are really probably not even... Uh, really aware of all the details, but they just kind of take up the cause of that just because there's this animosity that just gets passed from generation to generation. And so what forgiveness does is it stops the cycle. And it says, as for me, I'm getting off of this. I'm, I'm stepping down. <clears throat> a woman um, was bitten by a rabid dog and, and it looked like that, that despite all of the medical attention she was getting that she was gonna die from rabies. And so the doctor came to her and said, you need to get your affairs in order. So she asked for a pen and some paper and began to write feverishly. She wrote and wrote and wrote. And finally the doctor said, well, that is certainly a long and detailed will that you're making out. She said, this is not a will at all. I'm making a list of all the people I wanna bite. <laughs> I'm gonna pass this on. I'm just gonna pass this on. This bitterness is gonna go on and on and on and on. And so some people are just that way. It's, it's not about getting wrongs right. It's just who can I infect along the way? Who can I poison with all of this? And, and, and sometimes people are not doing you a favor to be whispering in your ear. Because I'm gonna tell you that a container can only hold so much. And I worry about people. And this is just gonna be a little bit of pastor in me speaking, but I worry about busybodies. I really do. I know that I know that the first thing about a busybody is they just get on your nerves, but I worry about busybody. Because you run around and get all of this information and there's only so much room to hold things. And after a while you're overwhelmed with all that you know. Is that all right? <laughs> I feel sorry for people that are always trying to find out about things. I'm trying to unsee and unhear all sorts of things. I'm not trying to be cute, I'm, I, or nor am I trying to be sarcastic. I'm being very honest that you can just keep loading yourself down with information, load yourself down with information, and after a while, you lose confidence in the moral fabric of mankind. Now, I'm certainly not suggesting that ignorance is bliss, but I do think that there is something to be said that if you're not part of the problem or if you're not part of the solution, then you don't need to be involved. And so we need to let, we need to let things go and not intermingle and meddle in things that, that are too much for us. And so let the spirit of God, amen, let the spirit of God release things in our heart. After a while, you just wake up one day and you're just overwhelmed because of all of the things that we have really just kind of taken on ourselves. Amen. People who refuse to forgive have, have been wounded and, and through that wound and unforgiveness, they just really keep reopening the wound. But when we forgive, there's a scar. And so we always will remember. 
I understand what Paul is saying, forgetting. He's not talking about amnesia like forgetting that we just get just off of the radar, but we gotta move past the past. We gotta move beyond that. Amen, there's some things I've said to people before, maybe some of you here tonight, there's some things that you will never get over, but you must get past. You must get beyond it. We may never get over it to the point that it doesn't weigh in our heart. It doesn't pain us when we look back or when we see the different trajectory that our life has taken because of the decisions of other people. Amen. We'll never get over some of those things, but I've got to get past that. That was in my yesterday. Amen. God has in his mercy and his goodness just lifted me up, planted me, put me in another place, maybe set, reset the trajectory of my life. And so I'm going to bloom right here where the Lord has planted me. And so if Jesus insisted on his rights and if he gave us everything that we deserve, then there would have been no cross. Amen. So it's a risky, risky thing. I mentioned a moment ago, but it's the truth. It's a risky thing to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. I'm giving you the freedom and the liberty, the latitude. And so do we really want God to be as forgiving as we are? especially if we're not forgiving. So how can we have the nerve to ask forgiveness if we're unwilling to forgive others? I can't, I can't have whatever it takes to say, God, forgive me, but I'm not willing to forgive that person. And so how can we have the nerve to ask that? Being unwilling to forgive is like destroying a bridge that we one day are ourselves going to need. So don't burn those bridges. A mark of true Christianity is the ability to forgive. And I think that God just so generously holds out and extends to us forgiveness. At times when I just felt like I was gonna be rejected by the Lord in prayer. I don't want you to let your mind wander here at all. Amen, but I felt God's embrace. I have felt God's warmth. I felt his compassion. And so it just makes me want to extend that compassion. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 8 and 9, if we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here's that pivot point I mentioned a moment ago. If we confess. Previous verse, very pointed. If we say we have no sin, we just deceive ourselves. If we say we're okay, I've never been wrong. I've never done anything bad. Then we just deceive ourselves, And he said, John said, the truth is not in us. I think John had gunpowder on his oatmeal every morning. So you don't need a commentary to read 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. <laughs> you may need a metal jacket, but you don't, need a, you don't need any commentary. And so this is our assurance. I'm going, to, I'm going to extend it out. I'm going to ask our musicians to come and I'm coming in for a soft landing. I want to talk about the process of forgiveness. And I think this is very important. I don't think in the process of forgiveness that it is healthy to deny our feelings of hurt or anger. I don't think it's healthy to say, I'm okay. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Often those are the people you need to worry about the most. Because if we deny where we are, we deny our station in life. If we hide our hurt and hide our anger, and I'm not talking about putting it on a billboard, but I am saying that we can't deny our hurt or anger and, and, and we can't, we can't do all of that. We can't not acknowledge, not acknowledge the things that we've experienced and gone through and then try to do something about them. You can't deny it and deal with it. You gotta first acknowledge it, sit it on the table and deal with it. I think we have to make a conscious decision not to seek revenge and not to nurse a grudge, but we have to decide I'm going to forgive we have to think differently about the offender. And one way to do that is to diligently pray for them on a consistent basis. Please, please, please hear me. We have to be intentional about that. Diligently pray on a consistent basis. Several years ago, I taught a series from a book entitled The Bait of Satan. 
And I just took portions of each chapter and taught on that. It's a very, very good book about the spirit of offense. And so you, you have got to be very intentional to get these things out of your heart. They're not just going to go away. You know, there's some things that you can, you can just spray a little bit of Lysol in the room and that probably took care of it. But there are some things you've got to be far more proactive about. You've got to take certain measures, certain steps, sometimes multiple times a day, multiple days a week, because we've got to take care of it. It's going to be something that encroaches and it can, it can take, what um, Jackie or Justin, one, we had a puppy years ago that, um, that had a, Parvo, yes, Parvo. And, uh, and so if you know anything about that, you can't play with Parvo. Because it will, it will kill everything thing on the house, at the house. It will, it will infect other animals. And so there were certain things, and forgive me for not being able to remember every little step, but there were certain things we had to do multiple times a day, multiple days a week, because you can't just, you can't just spray a little Lysol out there and, oh, we got it. There are certain things. You can't smell it. You can't see it. But it was there, and that was a kind of an odd feeling. It's there, and so we got to deal with it. And so our, our little puppy died from that, but it was even though he died and, and was, was buried and in the ground, we still had things to reckon with. And so there are some things that are not just going to go away because we sang, I'll fly away. Or because we, had, we felt really good in our heart at a, a specific service. We're going to have to be very intentional about that. We have to accept the, the pain that we've experienced without passing that on to others. God bless the people that do not intentionally infect those around them. Amen. You know, I'm gonna tell you something. We, we, um, we have been blessed to have people in our lives, all of us. I can certainly say that I've been very, very blessed to have people in my life that as an adult, I look back and I see that maybe we were going through some things, but that the people around us didn't talk about it and they didn't infect us with all of those things, but they just, they just kept it to themselves and they dealt with it. Amen. And so I'm thankful for that today. I know I'm really speaking in some generalities and forgive me for that, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I didn't have... I'm sure, I'm sure not perfect parents, but I'm thankful that I look back as an adult and I saw that we probably went through some pretty tough times financially. But I don't ever remember mom and dad saying, hey, now listen, we was tough, tight. And I'm thankful they sheltered us from that. Shielded us from that. Is that am I making sense at all? And so we, we have to understand there's that pain that we experience, but I don't want to pass that on to somebody else I don't even want to pass that on to the person that done the offending. And so think about how it feels to be released from the burden and the grudge of, of all of that and, and seek to find some meaning also in the things that we've gone through. And you know what? Romans 8 and 28 is a truth that we all can embrace. And God doesn't orchestrate everything wrong in our life, but I believe that we can find some meaning in the suffering that we've gone through. Amen. See the offender as a tool of God that God is using. As a matter of fact, the Lord even said of Pharaoh that God, it was God's idea to have Pharaoh. <laughs> right. Amen. And so sometimes those people become tools in the hand of God. And so realize the paradox of forgiveness. As you let go and forgive the offender, you're experiencing a release of healing. So truthfully, there's no one here without scars. That's the bottom line. We've all been scarred. We all have a past that are desperately, that we're desperately trying to get behind us. And we all need a forgiving hand of God to pull us up from the bondage of whatever happened in our yesterdays. I'm gonna ask you to stand. You know, as strange as what I'm about to say may sound, there's still truth. Some people try to punish themselves for their sins as opposed to standing on the promise of forgiveness. They're just gonna stand in this vicious cycle of not forgiving themselves. Instead of finding the refuge that forgiveness really provides for us. There's a story told of a time many years ago when a father and his daughter were walking through a grass plain in Canada 
In the distance, they saw a prairie fire that they knew would soon engulf them. There would be no way of escape. The fire was coming faster than they could have escaped. The father knew there was only one way out. And so they quickly built a fire right where they were and they burned a large patch of grass. And when the huge prairie fire drew near, now they can stand on a section that had already been burned. In time, the flames did approach them and the young girl in particular was terrified. But her father calmed her and assured her with these words. He said, the flames can't get to us because we're standing where the fire has already been. Amen. What we have to understand is that forgiveness provides us that island of security. We're standing where the fire has already been. That doesn't mean we won't feel the heat or experience the trauma or the horror of the impending danger, but we can stand confident because we're standing where the fire has already been. Tonight, we're standing where the blessed hope of forgiveness has already been poured out. I want to extend that as far as I possibly can. Praise God. Lord, I love you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Lord, I'm not just referencing forgiveness so many, many years ago, but I thank you for giving, for forgiving me today. And I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me of my debts as I forgive those, Lord, that owe. Forgive me of my trespass as I forgive those who have trespassed against me. Amen. Can we just gather around the front? Let's close with family prayer this evening. Let's ask God to touch us. Why don't we just come stand where the flames have already been tonight? Why don't we come stand in the presence of the Holy Ghost that heals and forgives and the nature of his spirit to soften the blows of life's injuries and to touch our heart and our minds in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Several years ago now, a friend of mine that a, was a member of the church that we just prayed for, the Pasley family, or the Norman Pasley, he shared a message with me that Brother Pasley had preached at their home church. And... Um, Today, I just really felt impressed to do what I'm, I'm sharing with you now. I asked uh, Sister Amy Osborne if she would to, uh, I sent this message to her. The title of this message is called Affected But Not Infected. Affected But Not Infected. I've shared that. Some of you probably have uh, received a CD of that from me through the years if you were going through a particular difficult time. Brother Pasley, I, I only would just respectfully say this. Brother Pasley was well qualified to preach this message. Because I didn't know when I heard that, but I called him and, and I just thanked him for what it meant to me. And he just shared a little bit about some things that kind of gave birth to that message in his heart and so it's it's going to be available on on our website and it's going to be not just in some miscellaneous sermons but I've asked Sister Amy to put that as a part of this series and so I just want to admonish you to to go to the website and and listen to that or download it on your your phone or or tablet whatever the case may be and uh, I don't often make requests like that but I believe it's a message that will help you because we are going to be affected by things that happen to us. But we must guard our heart not to become infected 
by the things that happen to us. We're not going to navigate around every little bump in the road, but I believe that God can help us to hold and and some of you have heard me say this one-on-one, you've heard me say it collectively, and I've said this simply, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because when the enemy strikes a blow, you better guard your heart. Because the heart is a strange thing. One Old Testament writer said, who can know it? It's deceitful, (laughs) desperately wicked. You can't trust your heart. You better guard it, lest something get there that doesn't need to be there. Amen. It's a message by Brother Norman Pasley, affected but not infected. I want you to take advantage of that. It's not a long message, but it is a very powerful, impacting, and I pray that it will apply to this tonight. Amen. Lord, I love you today. Thank you for the hope that we find in your spirit. Thank you for the hope of your word, and I pray your anointing upon our lives and help us to be what we ought to be, not to just dress the part, look the part, appear to be, but God, behind closed doors in the closet where you alone can see our heart, I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to press the infection, spiritual infection out. It must be done. It must be done. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. May the Lord bless you. Greet one another. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.